Hello and welcome to This Is Your FBI from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This is your FBI. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The subject of our FBI file, Theft of Government Property. Its title, The Old Hat. Scientific advances are being made in laboratories throughout the country that stagger the imagination. An instrument has recently been perfected, for example that will measure time to the hundred millionth of a second. Another instrument will reveal the exact chemical properties in a fragment of material smaller than the tip of a needle. Those advancements and others like them are important to every person in the country because science is no longer now a branch remote to human learning but a direct contributor to the fight against crime. The FBI laboratory in Washington, D.C., the largest crime lab in the world, is used by special agents and local police in every part of the country. Used to help solve cases which only a few short years ago would have remained mysteries. The case chosen for dramatization this evening is proof of that statement. Tonight's file opens in the downtown district of a large eastern city. It is shortly after midnight as a man opens the window of his hotel room. Just below is the roof of an adjoining building. The man lowers himself to the roof, carrying a small valise. He walks toward an adjacent office building, gets to a window, and peers in. He then opens the valise, takes out a hammer, and breaks the window. He then climbs in. A short time later, the man climbs back onto the roof and returns to his hotel room. He still carries the small valise, but now he has an additional burden, a green metal strongbox which he carefully removed from the safe in the office, the safe he just broke open. Because that strong box contained not only $9,000 in cash, but also government-owned blueprints of a new secret weapon, the local FBI field office was notified immediately after the robbery was discovered. Early the following morning, Special Agents Jim Taylor and Jack Nelson entered the lobby of the hotel. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. We're Special Agents of the FBI. Here are my credentials. I see. What can I do for you? Well, there was a robbery committed last night in the Johnson building. That's almost next door to us. That's right. We found evidence of the burglar who did the job lived in this hotel. Lived here? Yeah. He crossed the roof of the structure next door and entered an office in the Johnson building. Could you tell which room he came out of? Yes, it's the fifth window from the street on the left-hand side, third floor. 
Well, that would be... Let me see. Um, 305. May I have the key to 216, please? Surely. Here you are. Thank you. Miss, can you tell us who's registered in 305? It's unoccupied. I see. Well, it's possible the burglar checked out after the robbery. Can you find out who did have that room? Well, let's look through the register. Thank you. Here's a pencil, Jim. Oh, thanks, Jim. 218, Yeah, here, here, here we are. 305, John Smith, Times Square, New York. Jack, I'm afraid that won't be myself. When did he check in? A week ago. Yes, exactly a week ago yesterday. And he paid his rent in advance. What did he look like? I don't remember. Well, has the room been cleaned? Not yet. May we look at it, please? Of course. Just a minute, I'll get to the key. Here we are. Thank you. In most instances, your FBI learns the description of a fugitive in full detail. But sometimes, as in this case, he has registered at a hotel under an almost obviously fictitious name and address and vanished. The search of his hotel room produced a brown felt hat, a small jimmy, and a parking receipt with a time stamp on it. The hat and the jimmy were taken to the FBI lab by Agent Taylor, and later he returned for the report. Hi, Leo. Any word for me? Oh, hello, Jim. Yeah. Here's the report on the jimmy you submitted. Mm -hmm. You made a tool mark comparison with the marks left by the burglar on the safe while he was getting ready to blow the lock mechanism. Yeah, what did it show? The jimmy you found in the hotel room was the one that made those marks on the safe and the rifled off. Mm -hmm. How about the hat? I got a report on it, too. The hairs in the hat were blonde. Blonde. Well, then we can assume the man's complexion was light? Possibly. Stains on top of the hat turned out to be oil. Hmm? Motor oil. Oh. Kind of used in the car. I'd say that indicates the man worked in a service station, maybe on a grease rack. Uh -huh. Now, this man may have had another job, too. Oh, what kind of it? Well, we vacuumed some dust out of the hat, and it turned out to be pure coal dust. Coal dust? Yeah, unburned coal dust. It looked like maybe he worked in a coal yard. Oh, I see. Oh, Leo, I also sent in some pictures and casts of uh, some footprints that I found on the roof. Is there anything back on them yet? They well, come in while I was away from the desk. Let's see. Yeah. Got it? Here it is. From the space between those footprints, your suspect is about medium height. And the width of the impressions indicate that he's probably pretty heavy set. Uh -huh. Well, let's see. Uh, we're looking for a light-complexioned man, heavy set, medium height, who's possibly worked in a gas station and a coal yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pardon me. Sure, Well, Scott. This is Agent Nelson. Is Agent Taylor there? Yeah, just a minute. Nelson, for you, Jim. Oh. Thanks, man. Hello, Jack. Oh, Jim, that parking receiver is from a garage around the corner from the hotel. Smith kept his car there. Can you get a description of the car? And the floor man's out to lunch. He'll be back in about 15 minutes. Uh -huh. Where is the garage? 96 Rodney Street. 96 Rodney. Okay, I'll be right over. <laughs> was left by a man named Smith in the Hotel Lafayette, around the corner. You remember Smith? Mm, yeah. He was a blonde guy, 30, 35 years old. 
Kind of heavy. What kind of car do they have? Black Ford Sedan, 47. Do you have a record of the license number? No, no, afraid not. Is there anything unusual about the car? Well, nothing much. Except for the dirt. We get lots of tourists pulling here, but man, that Ford was the dirtiest. Backed into a wall this morning before he pulled out. I'll bet he must have knocked a pound of it off from under his fender. Has that have been swept up yet? It should have been. Ain't had a chance to get to it yet. Well, can we see it? Sure, it's right over here. Did Smith mention where he was going from here? No. Well, did he say anything that might be of value? He just didn't do much talking. Huh? There's the dirt from his fender. Well, thanks. Jack, let's brush some of this up and get it back to the lab. Yeah. Hey, speaking. Jim, this is Leo Scott at the lab. Yeah, Leo. I checked on that dirt you submitted. What'd you find? Well, first of all, there's coal dust mixed in it. Coal dust? Oh, that should tie in with the coal dust from the hat. Yeah, but I also found quite a few bits of a plant called Dionea mesipula. Come again? It's a plant called Dionea mesipula. Uh-huh. I checked on it at the Smithsonian. It's very rare. Found only in the peat bogs along the coast of the Carolinas. Any specific area? Yeah, from Beaufort, North Carolina to Georgetown, South Carolina. Mm-hmm, okay, Georgetown. Okay, thanks, Leo. I'll notify the police in every city between Beaufort and Georgetown. The fugitive's partial description was teletyped, along with his possible lines of employment, the make and model of the car, and the word that he was wanted. Jack, we got a teletype from the police at Black Ridge, North Carolina. Our fugitive's name is Roy Young. Description they sent tallies perfectly with what the lab gave. How about those occupations? Lab hit them right on the button. Both of them? Yeah. Young worked for a man who owns a coal yard and a string of gas stations. He worked mornings at the coal yard and in the afternoon at the station. How about a license number on the car? Well, field office sent it along. They put out a local alarm on the wires for us with the police. Good. A young left Blackridge about ten days ago, supposedly to visit a girlfriend in another town. Here? Well, our field office didn't know that. They're trying to get the information for us now. Police at Blackwood say they've arrested him on several occasions for fighting and disorderly conduct, but there's no other record for him. Hey, there's another message from Blackridge now. Uh-huh. Rio Tell Roy Young. Girlfriend named Nora Marshall. Girl lives with aunt named Edna Grant at Oxford, Virginia. Jack, let's drive over there. Youngest car around the place. Well, let's hope this is the right Edna Grant. Yeah. Oh, good afternoon, ma'am. Are you Edna Grant? Uh-huh. We're special agents of the FBI. Here are my credentials. I see him. And this is Agent Nelson. Oh. Uh-huh. What do you want? We understand you're the aunt of a girl named Nora Marshall, is that right? That's right. Well, is Miss Marshall here? No. May we come in and talk to you about her? I guess so. Go ahead, Jack. 
and got the two chairs, so one of you will have to stand. Oh, that's quite all right. I'm too tired to be polite. Go ahead. You can use that chair. Just shove that stuff onto the floor. I think we'll both stand. Thanks. Suit yourself. I'm sitting. Miss Grant, do you know where we can locate your niece? I don't know why you'd want to. I took that girl in and let her share this whole place with me, and you know how she pays me back. She runs off. When was this? Yesterday, I think. No, come to think of it, it was today, this morning. Well, did she run off alone? No, she ran off with Roy Young. Oh, you know where they went? No. Would there be a picture of your niece around the house here? In her room. Guess it'd be under a pile of junk I threw in there a while ago. And we have it? If you can find it. Oh, and Jack, you, we'd better flash word about the girl being with Young. It'll be easier spotting a Ford sedan with the two of them in it. Mister, you ain't going to find Roy Young that way. Oh, and why not? When he come here today to pick up Nora, he was driving the biggest, newest Buick I ever saw. <laughs> Back to the FBI file, The Old Hat. As you have seen illustrated thus far in tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, science is building a wall around the criminal. Every part of the FBI laboratory contributes to that wall. And so does every technician, whether his work is in firearms identification or tool mark examinations, hair and fiber examinations or chemistry, petrography or document analysis, toxicology, serology, or any of the other sections. However, science cannot do the job alone. It still takes trained investigators to apprehend the criminal. Trained investigators who possess experience, common sense, and the willingness to work hard. Tonight's file continues at the FBI field office. Jack, the police located Young's Ford sedan at a used car lot. Here in town? Yeah. He traded it in on a new Buick convertible the morning after the robbery. You got the license number? Yeah, the police gave it to me when they called. I've already sent out a new alarm. Which used car lot is it? Pete Simon's over on Broadway. Maybe you better interview Simon. Oh, I called. He's out demonstrating a car, but they say he'll be back in about half an hour. So let's start over there. Well, Mr. Taylor, glad to see you again. Always glad to see an old friend. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Simon. Oh, Mr. Simon, this is Agent Nelson. Hello. Glad to know you, Mr. Nelson. Any friend of Taylor's is a friend of mine. You want to pick yourself up a little car? I got a beauty this morning on a train. No, Mr. Simon, we're on business. Well, <laughs> I'll go quietly. <laughs> Mr. Simon, you sold a dark green Buick convertible the day before yesterday to a man calling himself John Smith? Yes, I remember him. Paid me all okay. cash. Uh, we'd like to locate Smith. Did he mention anything about where he was going? No, but I expected him back before this. 
Oh, why? He left some medicine. It's right here in my desk. Here we are. While we were closing the deal, he took a pill and walked over to the cooler for a drink of water. When he came back, he paid me and went off without them. I'll label, Jim. Yeah. Well, if you hear from Smith, will you please call me? Hate to lose the customer that way, but I will. Thanks, Mr. Simon. Well, Jack, let's take these pills back to the lab. Back again, Leo. Anything on the pills? Yeah, Jim. Are they on the same case? Yeah. Well, they're used by some doctors for patients with high blood pressure. What are they called? There's no particular trade name for them. Does the person need a prescription to get some? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll write it out for you. Oh, fine. This is what's in each pill. Mm -hmm. Pardon me, Jim. Sure. Leo Scott. This is Agent Nelson. Is Agent Taylor there? Yeah. It's for you, Jim. Oh. Thanks, man. Hello. Jim. Yeah, Jack. We just got a call from the police in Riverside. Yeah. They spotted the Buick convertible, but it got away. When was this? Oh, about ten minutes ago. The SAC wants us to get right up there. The two special agents flew to Riverside. They supplied each drugstore with a copy of the prescription for the pills. Within a matter of hours, one store reported an order in the name of a customer named John Smith. The pills were to be called for. Agents Taylor and Nelson sped to the store and waited. Jack, look. Prescription counter. Come on. Just a minute, please. Are you talking to me? Yes, Miss Marshall. Huh? How do you know my name? We're FBI agents. What do you want with me? Roy Young. I don't know anybody named Young. Your aunt told us different. My aunt... Where is he? I don't know. That bottle of pills there is for Young. I don't know where he is. Is that your final answer? Yes. All right. You know, you might be charged with a federal crime. What for? I didn't do anything. You knew Young committed a crime and you're helping him hide. I didn't know about any crime. Miss Marshall, if you were assisting Young to escape arrest, you might be charged with harboring a federal fugitive. Roy promised me I couldn't get into trouble. Well, he lied to you. I don't want to go to jail. Then where is he? At a motel just outside town. Nelson to Taylor. Come in, Jack. I dropped Miss Marshall at the county jail. You at the motel yet? I've been there already. Young's gone. Where? Nobody knows, but his car's been spotted in the hills. You coming back here? No. Jack, look. There's a police substation in a month. Alert everybody at your end and meet me at the station. At the police substation, a huge map of the area gradually became studded with pins. Each one representing a report flashed in on Young's car. Every call came from a point in the mountains higher than the last report. Now a pattern was beginning to emerge. If Young kept climbing, he'd come to the ridge road, a highway across the peak of the mountain, a highway from which there was no turning off. 
A police plane took off and cruised over the mountain looking for the car. Deputies from the sheriff's office began climbing the opposite face of the mountain. If Young knew his way, he might still avoid being trapped by staying off the ridge road, by keeping on main highway. Jack, forget about the map. Why, Jim? Young's been spotted by the plane. He's on the ridge road. By two-way radio from their car as they climbed the mountain, Agents Taylor and Nelson kept in constant communication with the deputy sheriffs coming up the other face of the hill, with the police plane and the different police units aiding in the search. Then came another report. Police plane to Taylor. This is Taylor. We just saw Young's car shot me at the top of the hill. Did you see him? No, but that area is heavily wounded. Watch him leave the road. Anybody live up there? Okay, thank you. Attention all units. Attention all units. This is Taylor calling. Young may be holding up in the hunting lodge near the peak. Let's converge. Now the circle of law enforcement officers around Roy Young was getting smaller and smaller, closing in slowly until the hunting lodge was surrounded. We're running out of cover, Jay. Yeah. We better hold it. I'll let him know we're here. Young! This is the FBI! Come out with your hands up! Come out with your hands up! Can you hear me? I guess you heard it. Shots came from that lower window. Yeah, and he hasn't located us. He was firing wildly. Yeah. Jack, let's move to the right there, closer to the window. Okay. Clearing up ahead. Yeah. Here we go. I'll call him again. Young! This is your last chance! The cabin is surrounded! Come out with your hands up! Come out with your hands up! Should we try tear gas? Well, let's wait till we get across the clearing. You ready? Yo, let's go. Well, we made it. All right. Let's give him the tear gas now. Okay. Sounds like a pistol. Yeah. I'm going for the door. Wait here. in there on the floor, unconscious. Come on, Jack. Guys knocked him out. No. 
Oh, it wasn't the gas that got him, Jack. He used that last shot on himself. The suicide of Roy Young closed tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. After leaving the cabin, Special Agents Taylor and Nelson searched Young's car and recovered the stolen government blueprints, plus a large amount of the missing cash. In this case, you saw an investigation begun with almost no information whatever and proceed to first a complete and correct identification of the fugitive and later his suicide when he found himself in a situation without hope of escape. You also saw a perfect illustration of how fully science is aiding in the fight against crime. An illustration of how completely your FBI's laboratory is joined with every other section of the Federal Bureau of Investigation in helping to protect every American. The incidents used in tonight's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious. And any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. Uh-huh.